You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast with Pastor Brent Gerard. In Focus Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Evans, Georgia, with a mission to love God, love people, and reach the world. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you are listening. And follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at InFocus Church. We hope this message encourages you and leaves you feeling challenged to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What an amazing declaration that is. And I just want to say before I get started this morning, um, thank you for your obedience to God as it relates to giving. Um, I was celebrating with all of you all this week and just thanking God for his provision for us. But I want to encourage you as, uh, as I just was in the first service and I was sitting with my youngest daughter, Issy, and they put the total up on the screen and we're all clapping and celebrating and she leans over and she goes, my money was a part of that. And I was like, you're right. So you should celebrate. So I want to encourage all of you that the only way we are able to truly be able to celebrate something like that where we're stepping out in faith is to actually step out in faith. And I want all of you to be able, if this is your home and you call this place home, I want you to grow in that area and stepping out of faith, particularly when it comes to the area that Jesus says is tied to our heart and that's giving so that just like my daughter leaned over to me, you could lean over to anybody in your family or any of your brothers and sisters in Christ and go, my giving is a part of that because we do this together as a family. Amen. So I'm celebrating that with you. It's exciting. I also want to mention that uh, a few weeks ago, I was uh, sharing that I'd gone down to Jacksonville and that morning I was headed down there that it was just like, I didn't want to go. I was going to meet with a bunch of regional pastors and campus leaders from all up and down the East Coast and our Every Nation churches. And I love these guys and, and these, these girls that are doing all that they're doing. It's amazing. But I personally was just like, you know, feeling down or whatever. And I was like, I'm not going. But I did, and, and myself and Mark drove down there, our campus missionary, and got there. And during one of his messages, or the message that he had during that time there, Pastor Russ, who is a, an older pastor than me, and kind of mentored me and prayed for this church and walked through a lot of life with us as a church, he was doing his little message, and, and he stopped. And Pastor Russell joked, he says, I'm not very prophetic, but it seems like every time I have a word, it's for, it's for Pastor Brent. And it's true. The only other one, the one I remember, there's a few that I remember. He's given, had like three different ones, but one in particular, before we built this building, when I just wanted, I wanted to expand the courtyard because I didn't want to go into debt, right? It was like, I don't want to do any of this. And he's like, I really feel like the Lord's telling me to tell you to not build to the size of your current faith. And I was like, okay, well, that feels a little bit scary. Uh, so now I always blame him for this building, you know, but, um, but the reality is, is I was grateful because if we had not done what we were doing then, we would never have gotten to where we are now. And, uh, but then he looked at me during this message, knowing the things that we'd been through in the last three years as a church and the, some of the struggles that we walked through. And he looked at me, he said, I got to stop this message and just tell you, Brent, it's over. It's finished. This season is over. 
And so can I tell you that when we were doing this offering, because a lot of it obviously had to do with some of the financial strain, and it was like, man, Lord, I thank you. And I was glad. I looked over at Mark. I said, you heard what he said, didn't you? Like, I'm writing it down, because if I get back and I, and I begin to doubt, I got to look to somebody else and go, oh, I heard it too. I wrote it down too. We write, Both of us writing it down in big words in our journals. It's done. It's finished. And I am praying today that last week was just a mile marker set in the ground that we can look back on and go, okay, that's done. That's finished. As we continue to step out in faith, God's going to continue to do great things for us. But that season is over and God is starting a new one where he wants to work through us. And that can be done as he does something new. Amen. So I just want to say that. I want to share that. There's a lot of powerful testimonies that came out of last week. I don't have time to share them all now. I'm already behind, uh, but I, I, man, I want to hear them. I've already shared some, and somebody's like, that's exactly what happened to me. Uh, just, just amazing things that looks, and if you stepped out in faith, God is always faithful. And so there's things that you're like, I was not expecting that. That, I, I, I mean, I was praying God would help, but I didn't know that's how it was going to happen. It, just stories like that, and I wish I had time to go through them, maybe some other time, because I really want your faith to be encouraged, because that's the other thing about all that we've done over the last few years. The word of the Lord to us was that God was going to build the faith of this church as we went through this building and this work, and he's doing that even now. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought about or considered how incredible a seed is? And for those of you who do, you know, flowers and plants and vegetables, I'm sure you think about this all the time. Uh, but let me just pull this out. There's these, these some little seeds I bought from Lowe's yesterday, uh, went over there, but it oh, was stuck to my finger. I actually have two seeds in my hand. It's really tiny. And for those online, I'll show you how tiny it is because you can't see out there, but it's really, oh, did you get that? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. You good? Okay, for those of you at home, we're wasting time for you right now. All right, so um, listen, this is such a small seed. And as I look at this seed, what I'm struck by is housed within this seed, this tiny little thing is something much larger, like a a fruit tree or a, a vegetable plant. Or, or even a, a, a oak tree, right? All of those things like that would come out of like a little seed that falls into the ground or is planted in the ground. So there's a lot of power in this tiny little seed. It's kind of mind boggling that those things come out of this. It just doesn't make any sense to my mind. Powerful, like just a lot of power in that tiny little seed. So I'm gonna put those, there's actually two, I'll put those there. Just, wow. Thing. Crazy. Now, right here, I have a clay pot, little pot with some dirt that I put in it just this morning. Potting soil, rich in nutrients, probably some manure in there. I don't know. So, so here it is. And as wonderful as this is, as, as nutrient rich as this soil is, easy to work with, and, but at the end of the day, it's just dirt. It's just dirt in a clay pot, no matter how good the dirt is. Unless, unless we take this powerful little seed, or seeds in this case, and we dig a little bit into this soil, and we plant the seed down into this soil, then all of a sudden this powerful seed planted into the depths of this soil with time and with care, we can watch as life comes out of the dirt as it begins to grow. 
Now, depending on how big the plant is or whatever, or a tree, that's incumbent upon the amount of time and care that it takes to come full grown. But with time and with care, when that little seed that is so tiny with all that power goes into the soil that is just dirt, all of a sudden that dirt with that seed becomes something with life. Well, did you know that the Bible is called the word of God, the gospel is called a seed. It's actually by Peter that we're going to read this morning. It's called an imperishable seed. And so here we have a seed, which is seemingly, as I just kind of look at this little thin line Bible that I like to use because it fits on this table. I actually, this isn't the one I use normally, just so you know. It's just the one that fits here. So uh, my big Bible looks a little bit cumbersome on this tiny little table. But there's seed, this word of God housed within this seemingly insignificant book is forgiveness and redemption the fruit of the spirit basically a new life full of love and joy and peace and hope like wow like I still can't wrap my mind around the fact that I have the word of God the power the seed of the word of God that I can hold in my hands and can read and go to but let's just leave that right there for right now wow it's powerful And then right here, and then within this room this morning, what do we have? Earthen vessels. The Bible says we're like clay pots. And within that earthen vessel that you have, that you and I have, is called something right, the heart, that the Bible likens to soil. That there's, there's soil, the heart, the soil heart of your life. And that's, it, and it could be good soil. You can do a lot of good things. You can do a lot of benevolent things. And you can try to outweigh the good in your life from the bad in your life. And it, all those things, it can just be a really nutrient-rich life. But at the end of the day, without something being planted in it, it's just dirt. You're just dirt, dust. As the Bible says. And can I make the connection here that Peter is making in scripture that we're about to read as well. That our lives are but dirt unless the imperishable seed of the word of God, the gospel, the word of truth is planted into the soil of my and your heart. No matter how good, no matter how moral, no matter how many benevolent things we do, our life is just manure and dirt unless, unless the powerful seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ is planted into our hearts. First Peter, if you have your Bible, chapter 1, verse 22 says, since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show your sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, love one another constantly. Because you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Verse 24, four, now he's quoting Isaiah, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers, withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate your word in our hearts today and transform our lives. We're in a series called Chosen Exiles, and we're looking at the book of 1 Peter. We might not ever get out of the book of 1 Peter. 
Fortunately for you, I'll be taking a break when I go to Manila for school this summer, and there'll be some other pastors and friends of mine in here, uh, and they won't be teaching out of Peter, so we'll have a break then. But Peter is writing to believers who are exiled in Asia Minor, a Roman province, modern-day Turkey. They're living as exiles. They're living in a very difficult situation. They're living through persecution. They don't have any power. They don't have any voting rights. They have zero power, and it's very difficult life. And then being believers has actually made life more difficult, not better. And so Peter is writing to them, trying to give them hope. Peter's saying, listen, there is hope in Christ. And I don't know about you, but I need hope. Anybody else in this room need hope? We need hope. And Peter's saying, here's the hope. And one of the ways that you get hope is to remind yourselves of what God's word says about him and about you. So for context, verse 3 says we've been born again into a living hope. That's who we are. Meaning as believers, we have hope in the grace of God poured out for us through the Holy Spirit in the blood of Jesus. Then over the next nine verses, this is what we've already gone through in this series. Over the next nine verses, Peter begins to give reason after reason to constantly and consistently put our hope in God. Reasons or benefits, if you will, that are ours through what? The gospel because of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, not because of anything we've done. Then it's not until verse 12 that we begin to see Peter give commands for Christian living. The last few weeks we've been talking about these commands. Here's what it means to live as a Christian, Peter says. And he gives them four exhortations or commands. He's giving these to believers in order to live lives that honor and testify that they have a hope in the grace of God through Jesus Christ, even though their circumstances are awful. So let's kind of go over them. What are they? Let's see if we remember. Number one, we are to set our hope on what? The grace of God through Jesus Christ. We're to set our hope on the fact that we've received Jesus because of God's grace. I don't know how many of you maybe have set your keys down over the last few weeks and thought about where you set your hope as we use that as kind of an analogy. Where is your hope today? It's wherever you set it last. Wherever you set it down last. If you set it in people, if you set it in your money, if you set it in the future, if you set it in whatever it might be, that's where your hope is. But if you set it in the hope of the grace that you have through Jesus It's a firm foundation, as we sang a moment ago, and it'll never fail. Secondly, it said, Peter said, be holy. Be holy as God is holy. In other words, you can't be apathetic about the things that God loves. You can't be indifferent about the things that God hates. Be holy. Then last week, we talked about the fear of God, a difficult subject for us to grasp. Really, we might could say it this way, fear living in such a way that says the blood of Jesus has no power in your life. Fear living in such a way that says your hope isn't in the grace of God. The fear of God, as H.P. Charles Jr. defined it, and I love this definition, I'll use it again, can be defined as a carefulness in living that is rooted in love and respect for our Heavenly Father. A carefulness in living that is rooted in love and respect. We're not afraid of God, we have a fear of God. This brings us to the fourth and the final command in these passages that I just read a moment ago, and I believe it could be the hardest. Because like, you know, hope, we like that. I like the message on hope, we want hope. Holiness, we understand that, although it's a little bit harder to do. We understand we should be more like Christ. Fear of the Lord, mm, hard to understand. I think I, can, I think I can understand why we need to have that. But then the most difficult one, love one another. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that one's tough. Actually, I get the fear of God better than that one. Love one another. 
Verse 22, from a pure heart, love one another constantly. Now, this is a command that actually Peter is repeating that Jesus has already given in John chapter 13 when he said, here's a new command I give to you, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. You you notice the redundancy and the repetitiveness of both Jesus and then we'll also see Peter. It's like you got to say it over and over and over again. Why? Because we forget every hour. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. But the word that gets me in 1 Peter 1 chapter 22 where Peter is exhorting or commanding us to live, this, the word that gets me to be a, one that has Christian living is the word constantly. It would be easier if Peter said you could love each other most of the time. Just love each other, you know, every now and then. And if you're not, don't hang out with each other until you can start loving each other again. Like, that, that's not, there are no caveats here. I wish there were. You wish there were. But it says constantly. How is that possible? And what we're going to see is it's possible with hope. And it's only possible with hope in God because of Jesus that we can love each other. Here's what I want us to see today. If we are not hope-filled people, we will not be loving people. Only hope-filled people are loving people. Because without hope, why, why bother to go through all the difficulty of loving people? So to start off with, Peter helps us by grounding our love for one another, putting a foundation for our love for one another in hope. He does so with hope. Verse 22, since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, and since you've responded to the gospel, because you have to do that by faith, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other, then it's like in light of, because of that, therefore, from a pure heart, love one another constantly. So there's some hope because of what you have done and obeying the gospel. That's the hope that you have of what God has done for you. Now love each other. Then he sandwiches, sandwiches it with more hope in verse 23. Because you've been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living, enduring word of God. So since you've been purified, love one another and love one another because you've been born again. You've been, you're a believer. So love each other. So the command to love one another is sandwiched between two reasons to love one another. Being born again through the gospel and living in obedience to God's word. So that the gospel has now saved us and as we'll talk about in a moment, it's now sanctifying us. The result of obeying the truth of the gospel was that these believers that Peter was writing to were purified by the blood of Jesus. Now they were ushered into the new life of a familial love and they are to love each other that way. And it's the same for us today. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are ushered in to a new family and you are to love each other with a familial love or a brotherly love as it says in some translations. That's how we're to love each other. So here is the deal for us in focus, this local expression of the body of Christ. If you're going to be a loving church, and by that I mean what Peter says, loving each other constantly, then we first have to be saved, born again through responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Outside of that, there is no power to love one another, at least the way the Bible talks about loving one another. There's no way for our hearts to continue to be purified through ongoing obedience to God's word until we first surrender our life to Jesus, who is the living word. See, our love for one another is so important to God that Jesus said multiple times, this is how people are going to know that you belong to me. 
Not by all the things that you do, not by all the things that you say, but how you treat and love one another in the church. But it's so important that Peter is redundant as well in commanding us to love one another. I'll read it again. So that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, love one another constantly. Some translations say love one another deeply depending on what you're reading, or love one another earnestly. And that word there, whether it's deeply, constantly, earnestly, it speaks of an effort that is required to love this way. Amen. I mean, that would have been a good point for that. It speaks of the depth of love that we're to have for one another. And it also speaks for the duration of this love until the end. I'll say that again. This type of love that Peter is talking about says that it is given with some type of effort, a depth, and a duration. Effort, depth, duration. It takes effort, church, to love each other the way the Bible tells us to love each other. There we go. I knew I'd get y'all a minute. I'm going to say it again until everybody says it. Yes, it does. It's not shallow either. It's not a mile wide and an inch deep. We're talking about the love of God here. That's how we're to love each other. And it's also something that lasts forever. It's not something that I can walk away from. It's not something that I can turn off like water. It's not something that I can stop and say, I don't love you anymore. No, you're my brother. You're my sister in Christ. I have been commanded to love you constantly. So Peter is expecting his churches, and that would also be us today, the church, to be filled with people who love one another in this way, who try to understand one another, who give each other the benefit of the doubt, who reach out to one another with the same love that we've been given in Christ constantly until the end. This is hard, but necessary. You want to be a part of the body of Christ? You want to be a part of the church? It starts with Jesus being saved and added to his body, and then it's sustained with the power of Jesus who finishes and perfects our faith. He is the reason and the model for why and how we love one another deeply. Let me say it for the third time. This isn't easy, church. Okay, all right, we're getting there. Some of y'all are still with me. But the call here is for intimacy among the body of Christ, where masks are dropped, honesty prevails, and where there's such a sense of community and communication that it's beyond our human ability to do so. This is why we would call it the fellowship in and of the Holy Spirit. The fellowship in and of the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of fellowship we're talking about. And Peter wants his churches to be filled with people who love one another this way, where there's so much love that there's an intimacy that is inevitable, and it's going to result of being made holy by God's grace. Because all of these commands, hope and holiness and the fear of God and loving one another, all connect. You're not going to love each other unless you have a fear of God. You're not going to love each other unless you have a hope in God. You're not going to love each other unless you're living a life that is holy, and loving each other is going to make your life more holy. It's at this point that Peter returns to the foundation of their love for each other. So let's see what it is. What is the foundation? We sang about it this morning already, the foundation of Christ. The foundation of our love for one another is our new birth in Christ. 
or regeneration. If you've ever heard that word before, it basically means rebirth. This is our new birth in Jesus Christ. It's just another word for that, meaning God makes us spiritually alive as a result of our faith in Jesus Christ. That's what our hope is in. This new birth gives these exiles and us, because we're exiles as well, a new likeness to a loving God and a new family that's marked by their ability to love one another. As chosen exiles, my friends, in this world, because this is not our home, you have been brought into, by your faith in Jesus Christ, a new family, a new family that is supposed to be marked by our love for one another that other people see and cannot explain naturally. This new birth came about by the means of an imperishable seed, the gospel, Like the blood of Jesus, that seed was rooted in the living God, and because it was eternally effective, as we just read, enduring forever, gave them an ultimate foundation for loving one another deeply. Because here's the reality. If I know that my hope is in God through Jesus Christ, that is the hope is in the grace of God through Jesus Christ, it lasts forever. So no matter what I'm going through over here in this life, no matter how difficult my relationships are, no matter how painful things might be, my hope remains in Christ alone. This is but temporary. This is eternal. So I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep making the effort. I'm going to dig deeper. And I'm going to do so constantly until Christ returns. Why? Because my hope is in Christ alone forever. That's how this works. He says, because you've been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Peter defines the imperishable seed as the living and enduring word of God. So there's the point again, it's not only imperishable, it's living and it's enduring, meaning it lasts, meaning God's word will not fail you. Meaning if this this seed, the word has made you alive in Christ, you have had the gospel planted in your heart, you have a new birth, here's what the word of this says, you will now live forever. You will stay alive forever. Again, the point is hope. You may die, that's what he's saying to these persecuted Christians, you may die, you may not see everything now, but you have an eternal hope and they cannot steal you away from God ever. No matter what they do to your body, they cannot take you away from me. They would have so much hope in the grace of God through Jesus that they would make the effort, experience the depth, and constantly love one another until they saw Jesus face to face. That's what Peter was trying to do, and that's what we're learning from this word as well today. Peter goes on to quote Isaiah chapter 40, verse 6 and 8. And this is what he says, this part, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Then he says, and this word that endures forever, imperishable seed, is the gospel that was proclaimed to you and that you responded to. So put your hope in that. See, Peter is dealing hope yet again. Here's some more hope for you to love each other. Saying everything in this life is going to fade. Everything in this life is going to wither. Everything in this life is going to die, but not the word of God. And that's the gospel, he's saying, that if you gave your life to Jesus Christ, that's the gospel that you responded to. That's the gospel. The word of God that he's talking about is the gospel that's been preached to them. That's what he's saying. The good news that we've been looking at all throughout this first chapter of 1 Peter, it's the ransom of the blood of Christ that's been sprinkled on our lives. It's the resurrection of Christ that says that he is alive forevermore. And it's the inheritance that God says that he is holding for us in heaven that's imperishable, that cannot be defiled. 
And all this is good news. And that was the good news Peter said has been preached to them. It's been preached to us. You've preached it to yourselves. You've heard me preach it to you. And this is the point now in verse 25. If that seed produces something in you, then you will live forever. And it's not going to fade. The seed produces something that's not like grass and it's not like flowers. This is our hope. And because of that hope, we could love one another forever. Hope-filled people are loving people. If you notice, there's a theme of longevity when the word of God is, is described here. The word of the Lord has an eternality to it when it says that it endures forever. Why is that? Well, when you were born by someone's seed, and all of us were, you take on the character of that seed. Like I planted whatever this is. This is a little sunflower mix. I'm not going to get a squash out of here. Because why? The seed, whatever character it is, begins to produce what's in there. So what Peter wants us to see is that the seed that created you, the gospel, the seed that was planted into you that caused you to be born again was the word of God. And the word of God is imperishable, it's living, and it's enduring forever. Therefore, that's who we are. We are who the word of God says we are. That's the character of our life when it's been planted into our hearts. And one of the amazing promises that we have about our lives now, if this seed has taken root in our hearts, is that we will live forever because of Jesus. And if you believe this, it brings hope into hopeless situations. This hope sets us free from the bondage of temporary things. This hope sets us free from the bondage of things that will not give us eternal hope. And that's why this eternal hope is juxtaposed against withering grass and falling flowers. If we put our hope in temporary things, you're going to be disappointed. Hope in Jesus keeps us from hoping in grass and flowers in this life. One of the things that keeps us from loving one another the way that Christ has said to love one another, the way Peter is saying to love one another, is the fear of losing out on some of the grass and flowers in this life. You ever heard that saying, like, give them their flowers now? Give them their flowers now while they're living, which is a good saying and a good thought. But did you know that Hebrews talks about a lot of believers that never got their flowers here without seeing the promises here? So there's some flowers that the world says is great, but it's going to wither and fall, that you might not receive in this life if you love the way Peter's telling you to love one another. You may not get your flowers now, like the flower of earthly wealth or riches, if you spend your time and energy supplying the needs of others without worrying about your own. You might not get the flower of popularity or fame or blue check verified if you stop boasting in yourself or drawing attention to yourself and only boast in God. You might not get the flower of being liked if you speak the truth in love. You might not get the flower, if you will, of being accepted if you correct someone when it almost will surely be viewed as something other than love. Maybe you won't get your flowers now if you receive correction without animosity and defensiveness. Maybe you won't get your flowers now if you love what God loves and hate what God hates. You probably won't get your flowers now if you rejoice when others are rejoicing, even if your circumstances are difficult and you didn't get the same thing that they got. 
You probably won't get your flowers now if you bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you, like Jesus said in Matthew 5. But Jesus is saying those flowers and that grass, as pretty as it is right now, it's going to fade, it's going to wither, and it's going to fall. But if you love each other constantly from your hearts, deeply, fervently, we're going to lose out on some grass and flowers in this life, but we're going to have an eternal reward in the next life. Do not be afraid of that. Peter's saying, and I'm saying today, put your hope in God. The power to overcome the fear of losing something is found in putting your hope firmly on what you can never lose. What we have gained forever in the grace of God through the Holy Spirit by the precious blood of Jesus. He's saying if that's been planted in your heart and you've accepted that, you will never lose that. So here's what we could say. Don't fear losing what you cannot keep, but instead put your hope in what you cannot lose. And that is your hope in the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Let me close with the first part of this hope sandwich, if you will, in verse 22. It says, since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, love one another constantly. See, the truth in view here is the word of God, the gospel of verse 23. All the hope producing truth that we've been looking at in this entire letter, if you go back and read from verse 1 to here, obedience to this truth is faith in God. What the gospel demands of us is faith in God. Therefore, faith is obedience to the gospel. Faith is inseparable from hope. But if you have faith that the word of God will abide forever, you are hoping in the word as well as believing in the word even today. Therefore, what helps us, what Peter is saying, what God is saying to us, what helps us love one another constantly is the soul purifying hope in the eternal word of God. This hope waters the soil of our hearts, in my opinion, because if this seed that is planted into this soil does not receive the water of the word of God, it will wither and die. The watering or the strengthening of our hope in God keeps us from hoping in the glory of grass and flowers that wither and fall. You see, it's hard to misplace our hope when we keep watering the seed of God's word in our hearts with the word of hope. Hoping in God keeps us from hoping in the futile, empty hopes of this life. It convinces us that if we live for the flowers of money and comfort and fame and sex and leisure, we will wither and die. Not until our hope is in the imperishable, living, enduring, eternal promise of God can we love one another from the heart constantly. So what we see in this passage, I believe, is that the Word of God doesn't just save us. It does. That's the seed that was planted. But as we continue to be obedient to this word, the word of God begins to sanctify us. And then as we're being sanctified, because it's not easy to be sanctified, because if part of our sanctification is the fact that we have to love each other, all of us know how sanctifying that is. There was another wonderful spot for an amen right there. Like if you want to be sanctified, try loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. So what else does the word of God do? It sustains us saves us it sanctifies us it sustains us by giving us hope so that we can live righteously because we weren't just made right to live like we wanted to we were made right to live righteously this is part of what the word is doing we were 
We were given a pardon so that we could have purity be made in our lives. We were given the ability to be made whole so that we could live holiness in our lives. So we display our sanctification and how we love one another. And this love is encased with an enduring hope which sustains us. Our hope is in the God's sovereign act of causing us to be born again through the living and enduring word of God. Our hope is seen through our action, purifying ourselves by being obedient to God's word and loving each other even when it's difficult. And that's what we put our hope in, the word of God. Our hope is being obedient to the word of God while loving each other constantly. I just keep saying that over and over and over again because as Peter said it redundantly, as Jesus said it redundantly, I have to say it to myself redundantly because it is hard. Sanctification is a biblical word. Maybe you've better understand it if I said spiritual growth. There is no spiritual growth from hopeless people because a hopeless people will not be a loving people And if we can't love one another constantly, then Bible says we really don't know God. So let me make this connection for us today, church. If you want to grow spiritually, then you need to love each other constantly. And if we want to know what that love looks like, we turn to 1 Corinthians 13 and we understand that love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it's not boastful, it's not arrogant, it's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not irritable. It does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things. There's that word, hopes all things. And here's that other word, endures all things. As I said a moment ago, this takes faith. And faith is obedience to the truth. And Jesus is the truth. That's why Hebrews says to fix your eyes on the author and the perfect of your faith. He authored it. He planted the seed. He's now perfecting it through his word so it will grow into something that is pleasing to him. And part of that that's pleasing to him is how we love and treat one another. So we need Jesus. We need the son, S-O-N, just like a flower needs the S-U-N. We need Jesus shining into our lives, the light of Christ shining into our lives if we want to grow. But if you're living in the shadows of the things that are against God, whether it's grumbling or complaining or slander or gossip or believing the worst, there is no growth there. You're in the shade and you got to be in the sun. If you put your hope in the enduring word of God and you love one another constantly, you're going to grow in spiritual stature and you're going to be a living testimony to the world around us. It's like that's where God's scattering the seeds all over the world. So when we hope in him, That the future that God has for us is greater than all the glory the grass and flowers of this world could offer. Then our hearts will be good soil. And we'll be free to love each other constantly from our own hearts. And we'll grow in our Christ's likeness as we eagerly wait and put our hope in the one who promised that he's going to return. My prayer for us, church, is that we would be, as Peter said, the church that would love each other well love each other constantly. And the way that we're going to do that is by putting our hope in the grace of God that we've received through the drawing of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ. And the word of God that's going to continue to water our hearts that the Bible says is enduring forever. That no matter what we go through, no matter how difficult our relationships are, no matter how frustrating or fractured they can be at times, that our hope is in Christ alone. And as long as we have that hope, we can continue to endure in this life for his name's sake. Amen. God wants you to know how much he loves you so that you can love each other today. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. Your love that is poured out on every person in this room, every person watching online, every person listening later on. And I pray right now, my friends, family of God, that you would sense the love of God. That you'd sense his love being poured out upon you. That if you are hopeless today, that you would put your hope in the grace of God through Jesus Christ. That's eternal. Can never be taken. It can never die. It, it's imperishable. It is an undiable seed, if, if we want to say it that way. It cannot die. And if it's planted in your heart, then I want you just to water it with the Word of God. Water it with the truth of God's Word today. Maybe it's the song that we sing at the end as you cry out to God that you're going to put your hope in Him and trust in Him and that hope would be renewed today so that you could love better today. And there's some of you that are listening, that are here, watching. You don't have hope because you've never put your hope in Christ. You've never experienced the love that God has poured out for you through Jesus Christ. And if you would come, even in this moment, confessing that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, it's just that simple. Not easy, but simple. Say, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner and I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God and the Savior of the world and I want you to save me. Come into my heart. All of a sudden, in that moment, the seed, the gospel will be planted in the soil of your heart and your life will never be the same. You've been made part of a new family with a new character and a new life and a new future and a new hope. Thank you for listening to the In Focus Church podcast with Pastor Brent Gerard. In Focus Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Evans, Georgia, with a mission to love God, love people, and reach the world. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you are listening, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at InFocus Church.